This is the Out of Time Film Podcast, where your hosts, Tom and John, discuss everything from blockbuster films to TV and games like there's no tomorrow. Hello and welcome to the Outstanding Film Podcast. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined with my co-host John and this week we are talking about Oppenheimer. Ooh. Oh my god. So this is like so highly anticipated since Chris Nolan moved to Universal Pictures. Yes. The whole drama with Warner Brothers creating HBO Max and then now Max and they're doing a lot of stuff with streaming services. So Chris Nolan was like, nope. I'm not doing something that is streaming. And recently he was talking about why physical copies are so important to him. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't it, agree it, with him more. Yeah, yeah, we were just talking about this the other week about like why physical copies are so important. Imagine like the internet was gone. Right? And then you're like, yeah, right, exactly. oh, I really want to watch that new show. But that show got deleted in the blackout of the internet. So, yeah, I mean, this is already happening. People like Max and Disney Plus and Paramount Plus are already getting rid of TV shows yeah. that you can never watch again. Like one that I watched recently, Willow. I really liked that series oh. and you just can't watch it ever again. It's gone. Like, imagine if they deleted Andor or something like that, no! like Falcon the Winter Soldier. Like these shows that we genuinely love. Like, what happened if they got rid of? Terrifying. But I think it's funny that Christopher Nolan left Warner Brothers and they were yeah. like, fine, we're going to release Barbie <laughs> on the same day as Oppenheimer. And it's very clearly a spite. And while Barbie is doing better than Oppenheimer, it's crazy how this phenomenon, this Barbenheimer phenomenon, is happened all because of Christopher Nolan leaving and this whole drama behind the scenes. I think that's hilarious. So Oppenheimer, full spoilers ahead for anyone who hasn't seen it, briefly explain the plot for those who don't know. During World War II, Lieutenant General Leslie Lee Groves appoints physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer to work on the top secret Manhattan Project. Oppenheimer and a team of scientists spend years developing and designing the atomic bomb. Their work comes to fruition on July 16th, 1945, as they witness the world's first nuclear explosion, forever changing the course of history. Yeah, right. So there's a lot of this story. Obviously, yeah. it's a biopic, and there's a lot that I didn't know. There's a lot that was really eye-opening. But what did you think of the movie before we get into all of that? This was the most Nolan out of the Nolan films, with the editing, with yeah. how it's told visually. But this film, it's got the most dialogue. It's so dense with performances and dialogue after dialogue. And it was kind of hard to go through as the film progresses. You're trying to understand, you know, what they're saying, where they are, and how they explain quantum physics, but also explaining about that time period. This is like the first nuclear bomb. And why is this going to, you know, change the course of history? I thought this film was, you know, very daunting. And it's like, there's something that woke me up. This is very harrowing. This is something that Oppenheimer must have felt, you know, like there's blood on his hands. There's this quote which he actually said in real life I am death, destroyer worlds. And that completely linked to how Oppenheimer felt. It must have been so soul destroying. Something that was trying to race against time, against all the different countries around the world at that time, you know, creating the first nuclear bomb. Since that was created, that must have been like, yeah, soul destroying for him to like realize, oh, I might have caused a chain reaction. 
Yeah, I mean, if I were to criticize the movie, I think you're right. It's a dense movie. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of people sitting in rooms and talking. And it definitely at points did lose me a little bit with all the different plot lines, all the different characters. There's a lot to kind of remember. And I think that the more, like many Nolan films, the more that I watch it, the more that I understand it, the more that I will appreciate it. It's like with Tenet, you know, we did our video on Tenet Revisited and it was such a different experience (laughs) rewatching the movie. And I'm really glad that we did. I mean, this is almost like a full circle moment for the podcast here because we started off doing Tenet, doing Christopher Nolan, and now here we are again doing Christopher Nolan. And I'm sure that'll happen many times as he keeps on making movies. But my God, this movie was intense. There's so much in that final act that is heart poundingly crazy. Like there's an amazing scene where Oppenheimer, who is really struggling with the weight of what he has done. And he feels that, that, you know, as you say, he has blood on his hands and he feels like he's created this thing that is literally going to really destroy destroy the world and he has to go and be enthusiastic about it to all the people who were living at the town that they'd made mm-hmm. and he he goes in and everyone's applauding him and he's saying yay you know i'm only happy that we didn't do it sooner and you can see that he's not happy at all and like in his head all of the people in the place their faces started melting off and the bomb goes off again and i have to say my eardrums <laughs> when christopher nolan does the bomb exploding sounds both times holy shit i jumped out of my skin it was the loudest thing ever and you really feel the impact of the bomb the mm. weight of it it's 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 crazy it is crazy the cinema that you were in in cinema world i was in a different cinema oh damn Maybe really the, i don't think i got that as an impact i think you oh no were you at the super screen no i wasn't i was just i was in the second biggest screen but no um, I wasn't super screen. Okay, yeah i think i'm i was in the second biggest screen in that cinema it was you. Oh, really it was actually a really nice cinema actually but but it was amazing with the sound design and the score. Holy. Ooh. Oh my God. Ludwig Goranson. Oh my God. He does it again. It's a God's here score right here. And it's just so emotional with the scenes where Oppenheimer was explaining about quantum physics, but also like how he sees it visually. And it's so complex, but like you're trying to understand it as well. Like the music is kind of guiding you with the visual effects, well, with the practical effects, if no. Nolan was detonating real bombs. <laughs> real bombs. He was like, you know what? I'll get a bomb. <laughs> I, I have yeah. no idea how there were no CGI shots in that movie. Like, there's a shot at the end with the Earth literally being on fire. And I'm like, how are we doing that, guys? How are we doing that? Because <laughs> Nolan was like, CGI? let's go to a different planet that looks like Earth. <laughs> and set and it then, on fire. Yeah, set it on fire. And I really liked the quote at the beginning of the film that is linked to the Greek mythology god Prometheus who gave fire to Earth and he got chained for eternity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's all really nice how it... Because it all links in, you know? Everything is important, and I really appreciate that. With the score, I love how it racks tension the whole time and how it really makes you feel like, you know, that you're on the precipice of something and that the world is about to genuinely be destroyed. That's such a huge part of the movie that kind of keeps on coming back, and particularly at the beginning of the movie, when Oppenheimer first starts teaching and he has his first lesson, and the guy sits, he's like, no, no, you're in the right place, and then he's immediately like okay he starts asking questions he starts drawing on the board and then we get a montage of his class growing bigger and bigger and you know his work becoming more and more respected and the score was really going for it and i was like okay here we are we're off and i love that and you know obviously ludic granson did a great job with the tenet score and obviously every score that he works on is great but then recently this year we were like where's he gone because he didn't do the mandalorian season three he He didn't do creed three and we were like what what's he doing 
and he was doing Oppenheimer, and you know what? He cooks. Like, that was really, cooks. really great. Yeah. I'm glad that he took the time to really represent the weight of this, because there's so much that holds weight, you know, specifically with some of the details behind the choice to drop the bomb on Nagasaki. There's one guy who literally is like, oh yeah, we can't drop it on this Japanese town, because that's when me and my wife go on vacation. And it's like, wow, that is insane that that decision came down to that small detail of, oh, we go on holiday there. That is literally just the most depressing thing ever. Yeah. And that's like, that's real. You know, like you see like President Truman, Gary Oldman, incredibly having a scene in this movie where Oppenheimer says he has blood in his hands and Truman's like, ah, get this crybaby out of here. And it's like, wow, these are uh, real people. Don't worry about it, yeah. Oppenheimer. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll build more. It. It's like, what's like, it's crazy that people take, you know, loss of life this nonchalantly. And I don't mean to get political, John, but this is happening still today. And, you know, yeah. loss of life is still considered as just numbers and just, you know, <sighs> things are so territorial and, and, and victory is so important and nobody really considers the weight of, of these things. Yeah. One of the greatest things I may have seen in any movie ever, genuinely, is the final moments of this movie. The whole time, there's the question of what did Oppenheimer say to Einstein? And at the end, you get Strauss who's like, what did he say about me? And then you get Alden Ehrenreich, who is amazing in the movie, saying oh, like, great. oh, what if it wasn't even about you? And then you see what he says. And Oppenheimer says, you know how we thought that if we detonated the bomb, we might have triggered a reaction that destroys the world? I think we did. And it really, really hits. And you realize all of this nuclear stuff that's all come from this, all these things that have been, you know, we've been led close to nuclear war so many times. And so many people have come so close to dying. And we keep on making these weapons of mass destruction that one day will be used. That is so scary. Yeah. Sorry, we've gone to a very existential moment here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> I watched so... this before Barbie. Can I say I watched this before Barbie, and that was a mistake. I should have watched Barbie first because hey, I was hey, not prepared. For I watched going Barbie in like first, this. then Oppenheimer. Yeah, good boy. I didn't that's, get, that's how I you should have done depression it. <laughs> on the same day. But no, yeah, this was so sincere, and it just gives you this massive realization. It's like, oh wow, you've been watching this movie for three hours, and you're just like. It just hits you. And one of the most powerful shots, it was just so sad when Oppenheimer was brought back and then the whole scientists did a presentation on the effects, the bomb that dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. And they were showing the pictures. We didn't see the pictures in the film, but we see the reaction on Oppenheimer's face. He just looks down. He just is so distraught. And it just completely reinforced this regret of like, why did we make this bomb? It's just so existential and so scary in today's world and what the people lived in the Cold War, you know, like the Cuban Missile Crisis as well, you know, like this threat that looms across Earth. It's just scary. It is. And like, you know, why do they do it? Is this twisted sense of duty? Is it because of the science? Like there's a moment when the Nazis surrender and, you know, Hitler's committed suicide in this bunker and they're like, okay, it's over now, right? And the government are like, no, it's not over because of Japan. And they're like, well, surely we'll be okay. And they're like, no, we want to keep on making the bomb. And there are quite a considerable amount of the scientists at the town who are like, maybe we shouldn't do this. And they and they start to kind of make a petition to strike and to say no. And Ethan Oppenheim is like, yeah, but we have to. And I after they do it, you can just see in all of them. I mean, you know, 
Killian Murphy, what a performance. Really, like, there are so many amazing yeah. performances in this movie, but what he yeah. brings to it yeah. is just utterly brutal and beautiful. The way yeah. that he just has so much sadness, so much pain, and the way that he truly embodies this character who cannot find a joy or a meaning in anything and is constantly trying to understand everything, you know, whether it be kind of like humanity or the science behind it all. And I think that was, that works really, really well. The movie lives and dies on him. And, yeah. you know, everyone around him like there's a really great scene so many of these scenes come down just to the acting and just to people shouting at each other and that's awesome and there's a great scene where jason clark who plays the main investigator on the jury who's kind of prosecuting oppenheimer he starts to yell at him he starts to like properly ask him questions and oppenheimer he really can't do it and these questions are getting more and more intense and the movie starts to become really overexposed the colors start to really brighten as if the bomb's about to go off again and it's brilliant and you can see that that is oppenheimer's state of mind and the movie flits between color and black and white. And in the color scenes, there are just so much of these subjective views from Oppenheimer, this twisted reality where he sees and he feels the bomb all around him. The opening moments of the film sees Oppenheimer looking at a puddle and seeing all the splashes. And, and that comes back later on with the idea of the nuclear blast radius. That is just so genius and so brutal and so horrific to think about. Yeah, it just completely becomes full circle with the puddles from the beginning. And it's like, is this for science or is this for humanity itself? So yeah, it's like something small, an idea that could really damage. Uh, yeah, it's just so frightening to think about. Yeah. Yeah, the performances, I agree. You get to see so many actors who are so... <laughs> it's. I mean, look at the cast. It's so stacked. He even got Roderick from Die with the Wimpy Kid in this movie. He only gets like... Devin Bostick, yeah, Yeah, Devin. And Christopher Nolan was like, oh yeah, Roderick rules. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Um, of course, of amazing. course Nolan yeah. knows. Nolan yeah. knows true cinema. Oh my God. Imagine he saw Roderick rules and his favorite scene was like, yes, when they performed <laughs> exploded diaper exploded and then, diaper yes and, that's, and then, that's, the, that's what he was trying to replicate with this yeah. movie yeah you get to see so many great actors like Florence Pugh Robert Downey Jr uh, the funny thing about Rami Malek was like is he gonna get any dialogue in this film yeah like, he was just, just there and you're like oh it's it's Rami Malek okay uh, the guy who played Freddie Mercury yeah it's him and then he comes back to just to destroy Strauss yes yeah. and I tell you what we just joked before the movie about the post credit scene being that Einstein would, you know, figure out E equals MC squared. We joked this movie would have an MCU moment. I couldn't have predicted there would actually be an MCU moment where Alden oh Aaron like, is God. like, there's a new senator who's, who's voting oh against you. He's like, what's God, his yes. name? John F. Kennedy. And it's like, JFK. It's like, it's like we're in? setting up a sequel here. It's like, it's like and they're then... like, next from Christopher Nolan, a movie about the Cuban Missile Crisis. <laughs> JFK. How he stopped the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, incredible. <laughs> oh, my God. And then you've got Kenneth Branagh as Niels Bohr. Yeah. I feel like every actor gets their one moment to say something really depressing and then they leave. Like, Kenneth Branagh gets the whole bit where he's like, you are the man who gave them the power to destroy themselves. That's just brutal. Like, Nolan was on some great shit when he was writing this movie. Even David Desmansion, he was in this and I was like, oh, that's him. And then you get to see other great actors like Josh Peck. Yeah, Josh Peck was in this film. And then, yeah, you just see great actors in this. Yeah, and of course, Emily Blunt is incredible. I think Nolan has a problem with his female characters and oh, writing yeah. them. 
And I think that, you know, he has done female characters well. I think Tenet is a good example with Elizabeth Debicki's character. But I think what's kind of genius about this movie is that the female characters don't get a lot of play, but that almost is a reflection of what they mean to Oppenheimer. Florence Pugh and Emily Blunt, they don't really mean a whole lot to him. And even his brother's fiance, like he doesn't really, he kind of like disregards them. And I think that's interesting, the angle that they choose for that. And Emily Blunt gets one of the best scenes where she absolutely demolishes Jason Clark when he's asking her questions. So she's and she's constantly misremembering things as proof that these quotes that they're using and these pieces of evidence that they're basing their argument on are just a bit pointless. And there's an amazing bit at the end when all the scientists are shaking their hands and Benny Safdie's character goes to shake her hand and she refuses to shake his hand, you know, because of what happened all those years ago. And I think that was just brilliant. Yeah. And that whole sequence was interesting because you see them all old and you see them all kind of putting away the things of the past and they kind of know, well, we might have created this thing, we might have done these atrocities and we may only now be recognized for trying to stop it but it's not in our hands anymore and what happens yeah. you know could be 10 times worse than what has ever happened you know like what happened in nagasaki and hiroshima unfortunately was just the beginning this is just the atomic bomb not even the hydrogen bomb which you know is another step and the whole thing is, is is utterly devastating again the whole thing is literally terrifying to think about so let's not think about it okay uh, what well, about jr yeah he was different I'm glad that he was so different because you see him as Tony Stark for such a long time in Marvel. He's like this arrogant guy. But in this one, I thought your performance was just really good. If ever you needed a reminder that Robert Downey Jr. can act, here it is. Here it is. Yes. I thought Matt Damon was just Matt Damon in <laughs> yeah. this film. Yeah, he was, he was like, great. great. Apparently, he was like going to take a break from acting. And he's like, the only reason that I will come out of retirement or, or you know, like this break is if Christopher Nolan calls me. And then Chris Nolan calls him and he's like, God damn it. I've got to do it for Chris. I always oh, forget that Matt Damon. <laughs> I always forget that Matt Damon is an in interstellar. And then it's like, oh, oh my yeah, God, it's Matt is. Damon. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Nolan like is always working the same people, and yeah. you've got to love him for it. But this is the first Christopher Nolan movie since Insomnia without Michael Caine in it. Oh yeah, Michael Caine. He always appears in these films. He was uh, in all of them ever since Batman Begins, and I think it's interesting that when Tenet came out, I was like, oh. He's, his name is Sir Michael, and the final line is, goodbye, Sir Michael. It's like, oh, is he actually? And then he was yeah, actually oh. not in it anymore. And it's like, oh, that's that's upsetting. But I think he might have had an existential crisis if he was working. <laughs> I can only imagine what it must have been like to work on this movie and to oh, feel God. those emotions. So Michael Caine would be like, Nolan. I think it's time for us to make the I nuclear I think it's bomb. time, Nolan. I must, I must not have he an gave ex- him the idea. existential crisis. Yes, yeah. Actually, I was re-watching Tenet recently, and there's a lot of yeah. talk about Oppenheimer and about the nuclear bomb. I think it's interesting that Nolan made that and then he was like, I know what I have to do. American Prometheus. Thank you to (laughs) Bobbitt Parson. Yeah, he gave Nolan the book about Oppenheimer, which is called American Prometheus. Um, Oh, yeah. So it's interesting how he went on to Oppenheimer. You know that one piece of dialogue in Tenet about like talking about Oppenheimer? What's Nolan trying to say here? I wonder if there's any clues in this movie. I wonder if you rewatch this movie, there's going to be like a a clue to the next movie. Because really, I don't think we have any information on what Nolan's doing next. And I think that's interesting to think about, like, yeah. you really could just be doing anything. That's exciting. I mean, I literally today, yeah. thinking about directors, I saw the first image from Wes Anderson's next movie. And oh, it's like, yeah. wow, Same. he's already making another movie. And it's like, oh, it's so exciting to see I a director it's... who's still on top of their game after so long 
you know, like what's happening now. Like that's that's just very interesting to me. Yeah, I think that's a short film next with Wes Anderson. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, if I remember, he is making a short film. I think it's oh, okay. forty-three minutes long. I believe. I'm, I'm, I don't I'll know. be there. I mean, some people. I think. I think it, there is a suggestion that forty minutes is feature length. So if it's forty-three minutes, it's technically not a short film. Oh. oh. Yeah. It oh, would. That would be. That would be I feature. <laughs> Yeah, this, yeah, my criticism is about the dialogue, you know, like, mm. there's a lot that you went into this film and you just feel like, oh god, I think I'm stupid, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what's being said, <laughs> and you're just trying to process everything, I mean, when you watch Christopher Nolan films, you'll be either confused, but then you slowly understand, I think that's the process of watching Christopher Nolan films, because they're meant to, you know, dissect, but also to be experienced in cinema, because you're just like, this is incredible, but I don't know what's happening. <laughs> it's like watching Tenet. It's like that again. It's like wow. Yeah, I don't know. I what's mean, this isn't saying. this isn't as yeah. bad as Tenet though. Yeah, like, yeah in fairness, yeah. like it, but it's just I, a I dialogue that was like so much. Mm. You were yeah. like ch- trying to yeah, process. Yeah, that's my only criticism, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm with you on that. I think that it's not perfect, but it's damn close. Like really, I think we are blessed this year to have so many amazing movies and so many amazing movies from so many amazing directors. And yeah. we don't know how lucky we are with Barbenheimer. And I Barbie truly am yeah. so so happy to have this phenomenon in our, in our lifetimes. Like how cool. But yeah, I think that's all I have to say about Oppenheimer. Yeah, regarding about Barbieheimer, there was another event this really reminded me of this. It was when Animal Crossing and Doom Eternal released on the same day. Now, those two communities, Animal Crossing and Doom Eternal, actually got together and celebrated their release on their games that was releasing on the same day. So that really reminded me of that. I was like, everyone's, you know, realizing about different films. Celebrating something that is releasing on the same day is just really nice. There's no competition. There's no oh, this film's better, or, or this game's better. You know, it's just really nice to see so many cinemas packed, like Oppenheim and Barbie, mm. just, like, going in. And yeah, it's, it's, like it's this... one of the biggest opening weekends of all time. And also, I think, if you take away, like, franchise films and sequels, this is the biggest opening weekend of all time. That is very, very impressive. That is impressive. Like, for Christopher Nolan and then Barbie, like, these are not independent films, but, like, something that these directors actually wrote and direct, like, Greta Gerwig and Chris for Nolan, these two amazing directors, and they actually bought together on a budget of like between 100 million and 145 million, and then just went, let's just make cinema. With yeah, they've already made their budgets back. You know, Barbie's yeah, already in like, profit town. Oh, like, what a, what a time to, to be alive. Yes, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're doing a great job, and I think it's funny because in 2008, when The Dark Knight came out, it came out on the same weekend as Mamma Mia. So Christopher Nolan's just destined to have his movies open with just like oh this girly camp, wonderful film that's uh, that's so different and it's great to see because you know on the other hand like remember in 2016 when batman v superman and civil war came out even like three months apart i think oh yeah and and yeah. everybody was pitting them against each other and everybody was you know like, no it, it no wasn't... civil war's bad no yeah BBS, exactly yes. yeah and it's like it, it, it's yeah. not it's not a competition it's just no. fun to see movies that are different and good and i think we're we're, we're living in a good time for cinema and yeah what are you going to give oppenheimer out of 10 I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Yeah, I'm with you on that. 9 out of 10. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you liked it and listening on YouTube, you can like and subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can follow and give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy. Next week, we're doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Oh, my God. I saw the promotion for the new Ninja 
Teenage Mutant Turtles, just Turtles. Turtles, yeah, Turtles. I'm actually just excited to see the new Turtles film. Like I haven't seen it once. I all the entire like aesthetic of the new Turtles movie looks so cool. Yeah, and the animation it looks clean. I'm, yeah. I'm there for it. Yes, it's funny that we haven't got any news about the new Miyazaki film yet. I know it's making loads of money over in Japan. We haven't got anything about that new animation film. So I'm guessing we have to wait. Oh, we're always getting things later. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say. Uh, have a good day. You know. <laughs> well, um, you can, well, you can send us an email at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, and ask us any questions. I keep on saying Mutant Mayhem. I should stop that. Mutant see, Mayhem. See, I'm <laughs> having we... the same problem as well. You can, you can be like, oh, yes. And see, we will uh, answer it right here on the yeah. podcast next week. And you can follow us on Instagram at Alstein Film Pod yeah. to see our incredible thumbnails from Zayn Afsal. On Twitter for more thoughts from me and TikTok to see edited clips, which are also on Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts. And you can find links to all that in the description below. Thanks to L. James Mayer for the excellent theme and Roland Phillips for vocals, as always. And I think that is everything. Yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening. Take what you're given. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>